Psalm 1, 2 Timothy 3. We'll begin looking at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. Paul writing to Timothy says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And with these two texts as our foundation and the time that we have together this evening, I want to speak to you about practical helps for effective Bible reading, practical helps for effective Bible reading. And my goal in this sermon is to provide you with realistic, down-to-earth, workable principles that will help us benefit from reading the Bible as we are commanded of God to do in Scripture. And I think most of us would agree that a healthy relationship with God's Word is essential to growing as a believer. I think most of us would confirm that the Bible has the ability to sanctify us, mature us, encourage us, comfort us, giving us the needed wisdom, strength, and guidance to live a life that is well-pleasing to the Lord. We know this. We can point to Scripture passages like Psalm 1 and 2 Timothy 3 that proves this to be true. But I think if we are honest, we would also have to confess that many of us struggle not in the knowing and proclamation of this truth, but in the daily implementation of what we know. So in other words, I think most, if not all of us, know that we need to maintain a daily relationship with God's Word, but the challenge, however, is found through implementing various actions that will help us be successful in having a vibrant relationship with God in His Word. So with that said, I want to give several pastoral counsels that I believe will be of great help to you in your striving to read the Bible daily if you put them into practice. So jumping right into things, let me give you three very basic introductory points followed by ten very practical Biblically fashioned suggestions that I hope will prove to be beneficial to you in your striving to know God through the revelation of His Word. Introductory point number one. 
In order to develop and maintain a healthy routine of seeking God through His Word daily, you must set a time to read God's Word. So the question under this first point that needs to be asked is the question, when? When are you going to read God's Word? Or when do you read God's Word? Do you have a scheduled time? If not, why not? Do you have a scheduled time that you wake up? Do you have a scheduled time that you go to work? Do you have a scheduled time that you have dinner? Do you have a scheduled time that you exercise? Or does your life consist of unplanned events that are scheduled by other people and the unselective events and activities of the day? I would highly suggest that you prayerfully and consciously set a time each and every day where you can eliminate all distractions so that you can sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. And listen, you know your schedule better than anyone else. You know your body better than anyone else. So schedule a time in your mind or on paper if needed where you can spend several minutes reading and meditating on God's Word. Now for most of us, uh, this is going to be in the morning. And I think there's a biblical principle that stems from this truth. Jesus says, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. David says, Psalm 63.1, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. For most of us, it's in the morning when our mind is most alert and fresh that we are going to benefit most from God's Word. It's in the morning before the busyness of the day that we can give God our best. And I like what missionary Hudson Taylor says regarding this. He says, quote, Do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the Word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with him, end quote. And I like that. Before we meet men in this world, we need to meet with God who is in heaven. How are we going to work out our faith if we are not leaving from the presence of God? Now, I don't want to be too dogmatic about this, but for some of you, your best may be late morning. It may be afternoon, it may be evening, but the truth I'm seeking to establish under this first point is the need to be purposeful about when you read the Bible. When do you read the Bible? You should be answering that in your mind now. Is it at 6 o'clock in the morning before work? Is it at 7 o'clock after you eat breakfast? Is it at 10 o'clock during your morning break at work? Is it at 5 o'clock when you come home from work? Is it at 9.30 when the kids are in bed? Whenever it is, let me suggest that you refrain from giving God leftover time. Do everything you can to refrain from coming to God's Word when your mind and your body is fatigued and tired. And do not, do not, listen, do not 
be the one who lives by the motto, if I have time to read my Bible, I will read it. If not, I won't. And that's just that. Don't be that person because the reality is the devil will make sure that you don't have time. Listen, he will throw everything at you to keep you from spending time with God. So the first thing you need to do in your desire to read God's word daily is strive to have a consistent time where you drink in the sincere milk of the word and guard it as much as you can. Listen, you keep appointments on your calendar, on your planner, chiropractor, doctor, dentist, nothing's going to get in the way for you to be there. Well, set a time with God. Put it on your calendar if you have to. That's your appointment. I have an appointment with God. And everything else is going to revolve around that. Seriously. Sometimes I think we treat physical things more important than spiritual things. Chiropractors are great. Doctors are wonderful. Nutritionists, all these things, all these appointments are helpful. But go to the spiritual optometrist. Get your eyes checked day by day. Walk by faith, not by sight. Put it on the calendar. Tell people, no, I've got an appointment. Who do you have an appointment with? I can't tell you. Okay, I'll tell you. It's with the Lord. All right? Have a time. That's introductory point number one. Introductory point number two is this. In order to develop and maintain a healthy routine of seeking God through His Word daily, you must find a place to read God's Word. So the second question that needs to be asked and answered is, Where? The first question is when. The second question is where. Where am I going to read God's Word? Where is the best place for me to get alone with God? Where will I be the least distracted? Where is my prayer closet? We read the scripture this morning in Matthew. When you go to pray, enter into the closet. Where is that closet? Is it at a desk in your house? Is it in the living room in your favorite chair? Is it at the dining room table? Perhaps it's in the quietness of your car before you start work. The question I am asking is, what is the best place for you to be still and to hear the voice of the Spirit? Now, there was a time for me where the best place to be alone with God was in our minivan. When we were church planning in Seattle and we had three small children, the quietest place for me to get alone with my Bible was in our van, whether by the ocean, at a park, or even the nearby airport. I knew that if I'm going to have quiet, focused time with reading the Scripture and praying, it wasn't going to be in our small two-bedroom apartment with young children, toddlers, and babies. Now, 10 years later, that has changed. God has provided a study here at the church, and my study is the best place for me to be alone with God. So things may change over time, but you must find a certain place that you can constantly hear from heaven. And and there's something psychological about that. As you find a place where God speaks to you and you know you can be alone in quietness, there's something about an earnestness that comes each and every day to want to go to that place to hear from God. 
that secret place of the Most High. So where is it? Where is the place that you are going to read God's Word? That's introductory point number two. Find a place. And then introductory point number three is the demanding need to have a plan. Have a plan. And the question that needs to be answered in this third point is, how are you going to read God's Word? So you've decided on a time. You've found a place. You have the Bible before you. Now, how are you going to read your Bible? Now, let me give you a pastoral admonition under this point, okay? Do not, do not, do not read the Bible randomly. Do not flatter yourself that you are so spiritual that you are going to read however the Spirit of God leads you to read. Do not, do not, do not do one of these. Well, today I think I'll read Ezekiel 22. And then tomorrow comes, today I think I'll read Psalm 5. And then next day comes, today I think I'll read 1 Samuel 5. No, read God's Word sensibly. Read God's Word systematically. You don't read any other book that way. You don't read any other novel skipping to chapter 8 and then chapter 3 and then chapter 10 and then back to chapter 1. You read it systematically because the points are progressing. There's a whole storyline as you read from one chapter to the next. So it is with God's Word. Read it sensibly. Read it systematically. Prayerfully choose a process and stick to it. Start at Genesis and work your way to Malachi. Work your way to the end of the Bible. Start in Matthew and work your way to Revelation. Or use your Bible ribbon and determine to read two chapters every day. Or find a Bible reading plan and commit to reading it. Listen, failing to plan is planning to fail. You need a plan. Help me out a little bit. If you want to be successful in your career, if you want to be successful in your job, do you just go at it without preparing? Without planning? Without being purposeful? Does the Marine Corps teach Marines to be the best Marine they can be by accident? Can someone who resolves to lose 20 pounds and get into better shape in the new year accomplish such a goal by hoping that the pounds will just fly off while we're stuffing donuts in our face? No exercise? No planning? I'm just going to sit in my lazy boy recliner and just hope that I lose 20 pounds this year. It didn't work. Oh, I'll try again next year. No, the best way to diet and exercise is by having a plan. The way of prosperity is the way of sacrifice, making conscious decisions. So the way of success in our spiritual life, we looked at this this morning, is saying no to unimportant things so that we can say yes to important things. The way of success involves moving our schedules around so we can prioritize God. It involves being purposeful, getting into a routine, right? If you want to learn an instrument, if you want to grow 
to be a better athlete, you have to have a plan. You have to practice. You have to keep at it. So I'm asserting within these first introductory points that you are not going to grow in the Lord by accident. Spiritual growth doesn't happen without your involvement. It's not going to happen passively. If you want to know God more intimately, you must seek it. You must work toward it. You must prioritize. Giving all diligence add to your faith. So in order to develop and maintain a healthy practice of reading God's Word, as you know you ought to do, you must begin by setting a time, finding a place, and having a plan. All right, do we have that down? Setting a time, finding a place, having a plan. Okay, now having established these elementary points, let me proceed by giving you 10 very practical, biblically fashioned recommendations that will help you as... You read God's Word every day. So the first three points will help us to get alone with God. Now I want to give you several useful suggestions on how you should read God's Word when you are alone with His Word. So here they are, point number one. In regards to your relationship with God's Word, you need to strive to read the Bible preeminently. And by preeminently, I mean above all things. And getting really pointed, I mean letting God speak to you directly from His Word. Feasting on the riches of His grace directly rather than consuming someone else's regurgitated thoughts. Now listen, devotional books and booklets are helpful. Podcasts, are thought-provoking. YouTube Bible studies are a blessing. Audio and video sermons prove themselves to be beneficial in our spiritual growth. But nothing should replace the simple reading of God's Word. And what I am telling you is Bible. The Bible does not say, the online devotional shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night. The Bible does not say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by a short little video message that someone else has spoken. No, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God directly. The Bible says that it alone is a book that we should meditate on day and night. The Bible itself is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. So I'm suggesting under this first point that we need to be careful that we do not replace the Word of God with the words of men, even if they are declaring the Word of God. Other resources such as devotionals, podcasts, Bible studies ought to be in addition to our reading of Scripture, not a replacement of our reading of Scripture. Did you get that? These things are to be secondary, not primary. So what I am proposing is this. If you want to get the most out of your Bible reading, you need to read the Bible. You need to spend time receiving with meekness the engrafted word. 
You need to spend time looking in the divine mirror. This is point number one. Read the Bible preeminently. Point number two. If you want to get the most out of your Bible reading, you need to read the Bible simplistically. Read the Bible simplistically. You say, what does it mean to read the Bible simplistically? Well, it means focusing on the main truths of the text rather than getting bogged down by the things that are unknown or difficult to understand. What I am saying is, don't be distracted by the minute details of the text. Strive to read God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, seeking to obtain the main truths, the main principles, the main promises and warnings and instructions of the text. And then, if you have time later... Study out those verses that may be harder to understand. But first, seek to understand the simple, obvious truths of Scripture. So, for example, let's say that you're coming to read the various laws given to Israel, the various laws given to the priests in the Old Testament concerning worship. Well, don't stop at every verse asking why and how and what about. Rather, tell yourself that God is a God of order. Worship is important to God, and God ought to be worshipped in His way. Right? That's the main truth. That's the main principle about all these regulations of worship that the priests had to put into practice. Or let's say you're reading the visions of Daniel or Ezekiel, and you find within those visions things that are difficult to understand. Have you ever been there? Well, rather than supposing and assuming and reading things into the text that are not there, zoom out from the text and recognize that God is communicating to man, God is communicative, And God is communicating to man that God is sovereign over all and he is causing his will to triumph over the wills of men. In these prophecies given to the prophets, they are hard to understand, but we know that God's ways are not our ways and God is infinite. If we could understand everything about God, God would not be God. And God's going to bring everything to pass, just as he said, whether we understand everything about it or not. You see? Look for the main truths. Pick out those principles that are there. There's a principle of judgment within that text of prophecy. Well, God will keep His word. He's a just. Sinners will not get away with their sin. Or when you're reading the account of Jacob giving Joseph a coat of many colors, don't become absorbed with the coat itself. Well, I wonder what kind of colors were on this coat. I wonder how those colors were arranged. Were they vertical lines? Were they horizontal lines? Were they bubbles? Were they waves? That's not the point. Be absorbed in the storyline. Be absorbed of the principles, the lessons that you can learn from the text. So what I'm saying is read the Bible simplistically. On the one hand, the Bible is very profound. But on the other hand, the Bible is very simple. Don't make it harder to understand than it should. So point number one, read the Bible preeminently. Point number two, read the Bible simplistically. Point number three, read the Bible uninterruptedly. Read the Bible uninterruptedly. 
Now I have a question for you. How can you reverently dwell in the secret place of the Most High when your phone is right in front of you screaming out, check your text messages, check your emails, look at the weather and look at the news. Did you know your phone speaks to you that way? Mine does, not audibly. But there's just this natural pull of wanting to see what's going on in this little technical advice. How are you going to give God your best when Good Morning America is on the television screen in the same room? Listen, spending time reading the Bible is spending time with God. And if we are spending time with God, we should give God our full attention. So put your phone down and turn off the TV. Is God not worthy of our undivided attention? Now we joke about the couple at the restaurant out on a date who are glued to their phones. And we say, how can they build a relationship with one another if they're busy scrolling their social media accounts? And we joke about the family, the parents and the children together out in public but not together because they're distracted by screens and yet we do the same with God. Can you imagine Jesus sitting before you? Imagine this, Jesus sitting before you one-on-one and you do one of these numbers. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Uh Oh, that's nice, huh? Well, we're preoccupied with our electronic leash. Look, God wants to speak to us through his word, and yet we have this nervous agitation that we're going to miss something important if we don't look at our phones every five minutes. We have to get a handle on this. We have to. Christians living in the United States in 2024 have more distractions than they've ever had before. But we have to get a hold of our distractions. So if you need to, put your phone away. That's what I do when I come to church. I take my phone, open this drawer, put it face down, close the drawer. It's out of sight. I'm spending time with God. And if I need to, I'll put it on airplane mode. I'll turn it off. Seriously, put it in another room. If it's going to be something that draws your attention, say, I have to get alone with God. A.W. Tozer says, anything that keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Treat it like that. It's my enemy. It's Satan wanting to keep me from sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you want to benefit from reading God's word, you must learn to read the Bible uninterruptedly. Point number four. If you want to benefit from reading God's word, you must learn to read the Bible spiritually. Read the Bible spiritually. And by spiritually, I mean treating the Bible as a spiritual book that has the ability to transform your heart rather than a historical book that is meant to fill your head with facts. D.L. Moody says, The Bible was not given merely for our information. The Bible was given for our transformation. So when I say read the Bible spiritually, I mean don't just focus on the facts. Don't be content with mere knowledge. This was the error of the Pharisees. The Pharisees read God's word only in a factual way, focusing on the externals, the laws, the commands. 
that they can charge others with breaking. God's word is to be read by the Christian focusing on God. We ought to focus our attention on who he is, what he has done for us in Christ, how we can know him and how we can live for him. So when we go to scripture, we need to ask ourselves, what does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about Christ? What does this teach us about the gospel? What promise can I delight in? What truths can I take comfort in? What do I need to change in my life? What warning do I need to take heed of? So the goal of Bible reading is not the obtaining of facts, but the obtaining of God. Facts are not the goal. God is the goal. Spiritual growth is the goal. Having our heart exposed to divine truth is the goal. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So what I am saying is the goal of reading the Bible is not reading the Bible. The goal of reading the Bible is having the Bible read you. Thomas Watson says, don't stop reading the Bible until you find your heart warmed. Let it not only inform you, let it inflame you. So seek to read the Bible spiritually. It's a spiritual book. It's been breathed out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author. If the Holy Spirit is indwelling within you, the Holy Spirit wants to speak truth to you regarding. We have the author of the word right there in front of us. So let him show you who God is. Point number five. Read the Bible prayerfully. Read the Bible communicatively. And before you start to read the Bible, Ask God to open the eyes of your understanding. On the front of my Bible, I have the words of Samuel imprinted there in the front. I want to pray that every time I go to Scripture, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God wants to speak to our hearts, and so before I go to God's Word, I need to pray, Lord, what would you have me to learn? And then as you are reading God's Word, respond to what you read. After you are done reading the Bible, ask God to help you to implement the truths that you have read. And as you're reading God's word, respond to what you read. Seek to have a dialogue with God. If the Bible is God's means of speaking to us, and it is, then it is only reasonable that we respond back to Him in prayer. And I mentioned this two weeks ago. When we come to God's word, we must learn to breathe in the promises of God and then breathe out prayers to God. That's how we live. Breathe in the airs of heaven and then exhale back prayers to God. When God convicts your heart of sin, confess it and repent it at once. When God shows you something of his greatness, stand back and Praise Him. As you work your way through the Proverbs, reading of spiritual principles that can guide your life, ask God to give you the wisdom that is spoken of here. Read God's Word communicatively. Read God's Word prayerfully. 
When Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you, step back and say, God, I don't know if I can do that. That's hard. You're demanding of me something very difficult, so I ask for you to help me. It's not my nature and my flesh to love my enemies. Yeah, help me out. But that's your word. You want me to do it. So God, if you want me to do it, you're going to have to enable me. Ephesians 4, 8, 9. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So you're bitter at someone, and the Spirit is saying, you need to forgive. And you're wrestling that out. Pray. God, you give me the grace and the enablement to approach them, and I will do as your word says. Read God's word prayerfully. And then point number six, if you want to benefit from reading God's word, you must learn to read the Bible thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. So while we do read the word of God spiritually, we don't check our minds at the door. We are to read God's word thoughtfully. Read the Bible meditatively. Don't rush. Take time to meditate. That word meditate is chewing the cud like the cow does. That's what you are to do in Bible reading. And again, the goal of reading your Bible is not to say, I did it. The goal of Bible reading is not to check off your box on the Bible reading schedule and tell your parent or Sunday school teacher that you read the Bible every day last week. The goal of reading the Bible is growing to know God more intimately. So as you read, take time to pause and reread and think about what you are reading. Take time for silas throughout the Psalms. Stop, pause, think about what was just said. All right? Seek to retain what you're reading and ask yourself, how does this text, how does this truth apply to me? What is the Bible saying in this passage? How does this truth apply to my life right now? Is there a promise that God wants to teach my heart? Is there a warning? Is there a reproof? Consider it. Consider it. Read the Bible thoughtfully. And then point number seven, strive to read the Bible daily. Read the Bible daily. And I will let this point stand on its own two feet by simply quoting three verses. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And then Psalm 1, 1 and 2, we read it already. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You bathe daily. You brush your teeth daily. You eat daily. You work out daily. You drink liquids daily. You take vitamins daily. Well, you need to wash yourself spiritually daily. You need to eat the manna of heaven daily. You need to work out your salvation daily. You need to consume your spiritual vitamins, your spiritual medication daily. 
Don't just bring your Bible to church on Sunday and then set it on the dash of your car or on some shelf at home. Keep it close to you every day so that you will be reminded to read it. Read God's Word daily. Strive to read it each and every day, even if it's just a small portion. Strive to get it into your heart, into your mind, so that you can meditate upon it. And then point number eight, as you read the Bible, write down various truths, verses, and thoughts that will help you remember God's Word. Point number eight, write down what you read. There's something about reading and writing and seeing all three together. There's something about reading, writing, and seeing things with our eyes that causes things to stick in our head. I had a Bible college professor in Bible college who gave his students very wise advice regarding this. He said, when the Lord of the universe speaks to you, write it down. And he wasn't talking about strange revelations or visions. He was talking about truths that God is teaching us in His Word. Keep a journal of that. And ever since then, it's been my practice to write down various truths, various thoughts, various principles, summaries of Bible chapters that will help me to know my sword better. And I'm hoping one day that they will prove to be a tangible gift that I can give to my kids and my grandkids. I'm hoping one day that the dozens of of notepads that I have just from my personal devotions will show my kids and grandkids that God was gracious to teach me many truths out of His Word. So write down what you read. Keep a, a notebook, keep a pen next to you as you read the Scripture. And some of you have a wide... Uh, for a wide margin, a wide margin Bible. And this is helpful to take notes and to underline and write things as you're reading the Scripture. So write down what you read. And point number nine is a very unique point. It may be controversial, but I think it's a point I, I need to mention nonetheless. I, I think it would be wise to read the Bible as a book in book form with actual pages. Now think this through with me. Humor me just for a second. Hear me out. If God gave us His Word as a book, in a book, then I think it would be most beneficial to read it as such. I don't want to be legalistic in this point. I know we live in 2024 where we have iPhones and iPads and computers and phone apps and audio Bibles and Bible study software programs and such. All these things are wonderful. They provide so much help, but I do fear that oftentimes these devices can become a distraction when we're trying to give God our full attention. Sometimes, listen, sometimes those who say they're going to read their Bibles on their phone get bombarded. Just be honest. They get bombarded with the ringing and the dinging. They get bombarded with news notifications and sports notifications and this and that popping on the screen. So their mind is wandering in all these directions. And then sometimes those who say that their reading time of God's Word is going to be listening to the Bible in their car on the way to work can become distracted by other cars and stoplights and other people trying to call them as they're driving and the scenery on the way to work. So I'm merely asking you to consider if it may not be more helpful to read the Bible in book form rather than reading it on your digital device or listening to it on your car stereo. 
And this goes back to our point about giving God our full attention. Striving to make our personal time with the Lord prayerful and meditative. I think technological devices are great. In fact, I use them every day. But again, I'm persuaded that they should be a supplement to our Bible reading, not a replacement of our Bible reading. Men have shed their blood so that we can have the Bible in a book form. And, and there is something about the world seeing Christians with a book. Oh, you're, you're people of the book. Well, how do they know that we're on the book on our device? There, there's something about handing a physical Bible to, to a, a, another family member of somebody who's passed away. You having your parents' Bible and your grandparents' Bible, but if it's all going to digital devices, all that fades away. It's a beautiful thing to look in your grandparents' Bible, your parents' Bible, if they were believers, and see the notes and see the highlights, see how God has worked in their hearts and lives. So don't, don't forsake this. I, I can only speak for myself. I can only tell you about my distractions, my tendencies of getting distracted by screens. But if you use a screen, at least, at least be disciplined enough to turn off all notifications when you're reading the Bible. You have to be at least that disciplined. Turn it on airplane mode and, and don't touch that airplane until you're done. All right? Think about reading the Bible as a book. And then let me conclude by giving you the 10th and final suggestion for getting the most out of reading the Scriptures daily. And this may be one of the most important points. Here it is. If you want to benefit from reading God's Word, you must never give up. Don't give up. And this is our temptation, isn't it? We come to the end of the year. We make goals for reading our Bibles. The first day is good. The second day is good. The first week is good. And then we become busy and distracted by other things. Or we're working our way through Genesis and Exodus, and then we hit Leviticus. We're sailing smoothly through our Bible reading plan, and then we get sick. Or various difficulties come across our paths. And before you know it, we missed a day or two or three. We sincerely wanted to do good, but we found ourselves failing. So what do we do? We get back up on the racetrack and we start again. The just man falls seven times, but he gets up again. If you miss a day for whatever reason, listen, don't wait till next year to start again. <laughs> well, I'm only in week two. I've messed up already. My Bible reading is good. I'll just wait and hope for next year. <laughs> no, start where you left off. Don't beat yourself up. Remember, perfection is not the goal. Progress is the goal. So you read the Bible five times last week, but only two times this week. Praise the Lord, you're making progress. So rejoice in the progress. And under this point, I think it's needful for me to emphasize the point that we should not make Bible reading into a legalistic, pharisaical standard of holiness and acceptance with God. All right, Bible reading is good. Bible reading is essential. Bible reading is commanded by God. Bible reading is expected by God. But if we are not careful, we can make it into a legalistic guideline for life. So don't develop the attitude that says, well, I read my Bible today, so I'm more spiritual than others. 
And I didn't read my Bible today, so I guess I'm less of God's child today than I was yesterday. Do you see how something so good and holy like Bible reading can become a snare? Be careful of this. We are not accepted by God because of the things we do or don't do. We are accepted by God because of the merits of Christ. So on the one hand, don't turn Bible reading into a legalistic standard. Yet, yet, on the other hand, don't use the warning of the legalistic standard to keep you from reading the Bible. You can do that as well. You can say, well, we are not accepted by God because of what we do. We are accepted by God in Christ, so I'm never going to read my Bible again. Oh, no, if that's your mindset, you don't know the love of God. The love of God constrains us to know Him more. The love of God constrains us to worship Him more. So point number 10 is, don't give up. Keep at it. Keep at it. So there you have 10 points that I hope will be a practical help to you. And obviously, I'm assuming that you know that the end goal of all Bible reading is to obey God, to put into practice what you are reading. So if I had to give a quick 11th point, it would be read God's Word believingly and obediently. All right, Don't be content merely with hearing God's Word or knowing God's Word. Strive to live out God's Word in your day-to-day life. As you read God's Word, believe that every word is truth. This is divine. This is supernatural. These are not the words of men. They are the words of God. So believe everything that you read and seek to put the truths that you read into practice. These truths are sufficient to help you live a life that's glorifying to God. These truths are sufficient to help you live a life that is wise. So my closing question is, will you strive to read, meditate, and study God's Word every day? Your relationship with the Word of God reveals your walk with the God of the Word. A casual relationship with the Word of God reflects a casual relationship with the Son of God. It's impossible to be a healthy Christian without a constant intake of God's Word. George Mueller says the vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. And then A.W. Tozer says revival happens when people in a church decide to swallow the Bible and let it have its effect on their lives. You want revival? Revival comes from communing with God in His Word. Communing with God in His Word.